0: Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast show, a podcast that helps foster respect through inclusion, service, and equity. Now here's your
1: host, Stacey Hegarty. Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast. I'm Stacy Hegarty, Vice President of Equity and Inclusion for Envision Rise. Joining me today, we have Max and Cordelia from the Empathy Theater Project in Boulder, Colorado. Welcome you two. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having us.
1: So this is a little bit of a departure for the Envision Rise podcast. We typically are focused on very corporate and organizational things that people in the workplace can do to make their workplace more equitable. What we're talking about now is art. I love it. I'm so excited to talk about this. I'm so excited about what you do. And I think this is a really great way for people to start to get comfortable with other people's experience. But first, let's start with introductions. Max, we'll start with you. Tell me about yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. My name is Max Middleton. I am in Boulder, Colorado at the moment, originally from Maine. And I am the production director at Empathy Theater Project. So when we're producing things, when we're putting things on stage, I help oversee all of that.
1: Thank you for defining production director. I think sometimes people don't know what that is. (laughs) And
2: Cordelia. Yes, so my name is Cordelia Zars. I'm the executive director at Empathy Theatre Project based in Boulder County, and I grew up in Wyoming and went to college with Max in Maine, that's where we met. And then we, yeah, have been doing theater in Colorado since we moved out here, and so I kind of run the show at Empathy Theatre Project, kind of manage the business and the vision of where we're going artistically and creatively. Well, it's been a tough
1: couple of years for live theater, but live theater's back. We're all very excited about that. At least I am and my family is. We're thrilled about live theater being back. What is Empathy Theater Project
2: and how did it come to be? Do you want me to take this or do you want to? Yeah, I mean, I (laughs) I
0: can chime in, but I think you can start off. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. So Empathy Theater Project exists because we have thought a lot about the divisions in our country and how dangerous that is for the future of our democracy that Politics and just rhetoric in our country generally is becoming very polarized. And as artists, we feel that very personally. And it's also sometimes hard to think about solutions to problems that are so big. But we have always felt very passionate that theater is an excellent medium for reaching people at an emotional level that can affect long term change. The way that the effect that stories and music and dance has on people's minds is very different than reading an article in your newspaper or reading somebody's Facebook post rant (laughs) about something. And so that's what we do. That's the tools that we feel like we have and the talents that we can share with the world is bringing art that is not going to ask you to believe something. It's not going to try to change your mind on something. We just share stories that hopefully foster a sense of empathy for a lot of people with different lived experiences even if that's not something that you personally have been through stepping into the theater and experiencing somebody share their own personal experience and their own personal journey that has some way of resonating with you opens our hearts it opens our ability to connect with other people and to see nuance in the very complicated issues that we're facing as a country i think we have wanted to combat the feeling of black and white thinking and us versus them thinking that is happening a lot in our country. And that means reaching all, all types of different people and not our cause is pretty bird's eye view. Like we're not specifically rooted in any single cause but we're trying to unite a lot of different people and just foster a sense of community and unity on a large level in our country. Max, what would you like Max. to add?
0: So I thought that was beautifully said Cordelia. Mm. When Cordelia says like, oh, you know, we have always felt that this is what that theater can foster empathy because of just the form of art form that it is. I do remember, yes, we've always felt that way. But I do remember feeling a sense of discovery on that front when Cordelia and I started working together because we just brought so much of our own. The research we were doing in class to the art, the sense that we like, you know, just being a living, breathing person in the world we were doing, for example, Into the Woods. In college. And that's an amazing play. And it's an even more amazing play when you ground that show in all of the things that we were dealing with in the world in like, you know, 2015, 2016, that neck of time. Yeah, so I really felt that strongly. We have our fingers in a lot of different pots. We don't just do musicals, but musicals are our Focus as a group. For me, it's even more unique with musicals because people don't tend to sing in their day to day life, right? Like when we're walking to the grocery store, we don't often burst out in song. Sometimes we do. That's
2: a huge <laughs> exception being you and me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But generally, we're not used to it. And so when you're watching a story that feels real and then suddenly somebody is singing about pause that is just so personal to that character, it really elevates the experience. For the audience and takes them into a moment in a way that I think that just spoken communication doesn't always do.
1: I think you bring up a really interesting point about the effect that music has on our emotions, on the way our brains are functioning. And I haven't done much research on how music affects your brain, but it does. We know it does. It can change your mood immediately. When you are creating that kind of experience for an audience. Are you thinking about those kinds of things or is it sort of tangential to what you're doing anyway that, oh, it's a musical, we're gonna do a musical, great. Or is it this music will actually have an impact on the way people are feeling in the moment as part of the audience?
2: I don't know that it's so much a premeditated decision of how exactly we want the audience react to react. And so from that, we're like back you know reverse engineering and composing a song it's just more led by the emotions in the show and then the character ends up emoting through song and through the magic of music that we've tried to understand but really we nobody fully does the impact that has on people's raw emotions unconscious emotions that kind of circumvent the rational wiring that we have in our brains and just makes you feel. Everybody knows that even if you're not a huge music person, like you have music that you probably listen to in the car for a reason, because it makes you happier. It makes you nostalgic or it reminds you of somebody. And so to have that art form within a narrative about a complicated issue, it really increases our ability to empathize because it hits us straight. It's literally like resonating in our body, those vibrations of the music. And so it's really powerful. And I think, you know, if you can just imagine watching a movie without sound, like without music, if you just listen to people talking, it would be such a different experience and probably very stale. I don't think we always realize how integral music is in all of the media that we consume and just in life in general, it is kind of a soundtrack to everything we do. And so even if you're a person that doesn't like musicals, understanding that music does play a huge part in how we interact in the world and how we connect with other people. I think we just tap into that specifically and intentionally.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think even if you think about the news, We all recognize that sound of whatever the music is that they use for breaking news. Mm -hmm. It's usually just a couple of beats, but we all recognize it as, "Uh uh-oh, something's happening. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And in a musical, like, yeah, you know, we're not thinking about specific, like, you know, oh, if we play an A-flat major chord here, it will open the audience's mind in this way, right? (laughs) But as far as the story itself goes, at least in Man Up, the musical that Cordelia wrote, people do sing at very deliberate moments. And my view on it is kind of in the structure of a musical, people begin to sing when the emotions get too intense to talk about. Mm -hmm. And then there's even another level because they will dance when the emotions are too intense to sing about. And I think that is something we think about consciously. I don't think it's on the audience's mind, but it helps them go on that roller coaster with the characters and get swept up in the story In a way that hopefully they lose track of themselves a little bit. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, you mentioned Man Up. Let's talk about it. I know it's your show that just wrapped not too long ago. So tell me how did Man Up come to be? Tell me about the story.
2: I'm sure our audience would love to hear about it. Yeah. Great. Well, Man Up is our first original musical and it is a product of a lot of years of work, but it was initially inspired from a lot of thinking that we did. After the 2016 election and the Me Too movement that followed in 2017, and just, you know, thinking about all the stories that were coming out during the Me Too movement and sort of wondering like what the root causes of this type of behavior was, I think that was the first time that I really experienced as like an early adult, these huge divisions in our country, both around that election and then around the events following it and sort of the second wave of feminist second feminist movement that happened in 2017, which was very powerful to experience. And also I felt like there was a conversation that wasn't being had. And that was about like, why men are treating women like this, not like women, you know, coming out and telling these stories. And like, obviously that's a really powerful part of it, but I kind of wanted to understand. I just have always believed that well-adjusted, healthy, emotional people don't hurt other people as much as hurt people hurt mm-hmm. other people. And so I was wondering, you know, what this culture is that's creating these waves of continuing oppression, even in 2017. And so I started thinking about, you know, the culture that we bring boys up in, in this country, and how our culture often idolizes physical strength in men and stoicism. And, Shames displays of emotion, shames crying from an early age. There's a lot of language that gets tossed around for boys, especially, you know, coming of age in middle school or high school. That's like, you know, don't cry like a girl or grow some thicker skin or man up, you know, which became the title of the show. As I did a lot of research into that topic and did a lot of interviews with people that I was going to college with, people outside of college, largely men, I just started realizing how pervasive that narrative is that as a boy you are expected to repress your emotions and disconnect from your emotional self and be ashamed of that and have to defend your masculinity in a way that's ignores sensitivity ignores empathy ignores emotion and that becomes a very unhealthy and toxic environment for boys to grow up in Um, and i think leads to a lot of the behavior later in life that can be hurtful to other people and other genders and so that's the story that we want to to tell, it sort of formed that inspiration and then became. We thought of characters and a story arc, and the music started sort of writing itself. And then we had a space, did a workshop production in 2019, have worked on it more in the last couple of years, and then just had our second production in April, which was a blast. It went great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A lot of fun. And if I could just chime in, like I remember, I think 2017 was when the ideation really began, Cordelia, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But, like, from my perspective, I was very much with Cordelia on the front of, like, the world seems a little different than I thought it was mm-hmm. in 2016, right? Like, having just graduated from college, feeling like, you know, oh, sky is the limit, here we go. It was just kind of this come-back-to-earth wake-up call. Of like, we got some problems to solve, and my skill set is that I know how to do plays. <laughs> 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 so, I, how can I leverage? I feel the duty, the need, the responsibility to leverage this as best as I can. And as soon as Cordelia started talking about the story that she had in mind, I was like, I can see this on stage. This has got to happen. And I think Cordelia, you just had, yes, you were doing all of this like nonfiction research, but from the get go, you had a really beautiful vision of like how the main character of the show's name is Duncan. We didn't know that at the time, he was just a nameless man, Uh, (laughs) but you had a really clear vision of like, you know, that you wanted to see him grow from childhood to mm-hmm. adulthood and see how his relationships especially with his sister at that point she was the other really codified person how they were going to change as they mm-hmm. got,
1: got older yeah mm-hmm. it's amazing i'm always blown away when people can just you know write a musical that's not anything that whatever occurred to me to attempt we'd be waiting for decades for that to happen <laughs> <laughs> when i think about all the times that i've gone to live theater and what the feeling of being a part of an audience is like You know, I think that what the Empathy Theater Project has really sort of solidified for me in talking with both of you and learning more about it is that we can have this collective experience as an audience while still having our own internal experience with the play or the musical or the art that we're looking at or the music that we're listening to. But I think over the past couple of years, what we've been missing is that collective experience that just doesn't resonate quite and people did a lot of great things over zoom and we used technology as best we could but I think for art it's so much different when it's experienced live with other people is that something that you experience yourself or that you've heard from audience members that they're feeling good about live theater being back
0: oh yeah (laughs) absolutely I mean I think that like you know personally I was feeling it personally Cordelia was feeling it Our whole cast was feeling the, like, just the desire to perform again, and audiences did, it felt like people were starving, right, in a Mm -hmm. desert, like that they were starving for it. And I think that it is that when we all watch something together, and we all experience that story, even though we are our own individuals, we got a little window into a world that we shared, and that story, that world, becomes common ground that we all have afterwards. Mm -hmm. we all shared, that we all experienced. I can't really think of anything else where you Mm -hmm. feel that common ground as palpably. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. It's a really beautiful experience. And I think this show specifically too, it's as Max described a little bit about it, You, it's in three acts and you see the main characters grow up. And so they start as you know, small children, seven, 10 years old. And that's the first act. And then they become middle school, high school age. And then they're young adults in the third act. And so there are a lot of different ages in our audience from adolescents all the way through older adults. And so the type of collective intergenerational experience that we had in that theater, and then the talkbacks we had after the show between all these different generations, reflecting on their experiences that related to the show and having these children and adolescents actually teach the older adults Mm -hmm. things that they're learning. And the generations that are coming of age right now are kind of busting out of gender stereotypes in a way that was unimaginable for people that were growing up in the 1960s and 70s. And so having those conversations between all those groups of people and reflecting on how these cultures are still, they're just so ingrained in how we treat each other and how we treat ourselves. And for all of us to be able to come together and have this really powerful experience of reflecting on and wondering how we can break these cycles. It was so powerful and so incredible and just made me wonder like where else we have that type of really strong intergenerational learning in our culture because that's not something we're very good at as Americans. Mm-hmm.
1: For those who may not know, describe what a talk back is.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. So after the show, after the show ends, we invite our audiences back into the theater so that they have the chance to ask our actors and our creative team questions about the show. And we also just opened it up to a discussion, which was really amazing for us to hear feedback from the audience, like what in the show resonated with you? What did you connect to? What questions you have? And so we just had really, really wonderful discussions after the show, because the show is a lot to process. It's not like Seussical. Like it's, (laughs) (laughs) there are some heavy themes. There's a lot of fun and lightness in it too. And there are a lot of great, you know, scenes with kids singing about frogs, but it presents some difficult and complicated themes that I was really happy people chose to come back and process those things with us.
1: I think theater yeah. talkbacks are just an amazing opportunity for the audience to, of course, interact with the cast in a in a way that you don't get anyplace else, but then to verbally process what's in their head and in their heart at the moment, which may not be the same as the person they came to see the show with. Mm-hmm. And we don't have many opportunities in our society right now to have true conversations with the intent to learn and understand. Mm-hmm. We're so busy trying to outwit each other and talk over each other and force people to agree with us. How were the talkbacks? Did you feel like there were lots of different opinions being shared that people were able to actually hear?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that we got phenomenal feedback during those talkbacks. We got, you know, people talking about how the story resonated with them we got people talking about how the story didn't resonate exactly with their lived experience and all of this i thought was beautiful and powerful mm-hmm. and shows that like i think people need catharsis right they need catharsis that's the feeling you get from seeing a play and you can do it by yourself but it is much better to feel that catharsis with other people that kind of post theatrical experience come down. Yeah. And so it was really amazing to see all of these people from wildly different backgrounds. I don't know specifically everyone who is there, but these people, a very diverse audience, all relating to this story in different and powerful ways. Yeah.
1: Well, what's next for Empathy Theater Project? We've got just a few minutes left. What are you working on?
2: Great. Yeah. So our next project is called the One Voice Monologue Series. And so, the model that we have at our theater company that we're really excited about is we as a team work on feature shows. And those are our musicals and plays that take a long time to write. And then we, from those themes, kind of have a community reflection. And so we were talking really intensively about gender and gender expectations this spring in our feature musical. And so we're kind of have an audience reflection on that. And so we're calling it the One Voice Monologue Series. And so people in our community we'll be working with to tell their stories nonfiction stories and the prompt is generally like how have gender expectations or gender identity shaped your path through life and so people from a lot of different backgrounds are going to be working with our team to share a personal essay that they'll perform live in front of an audience this summer and we're really looking forward to that it's going to be there's going to be original composed music with it as well so that's our next project. We're also launching our own podcast, which we're really excited about. And that's our first season is going to be a behind the scenes fan up. And we're going to take the audience, our listeners through the show act by act and talk to all of our actors and learn about their acting processes and how they related to the show and what they did to immerse themselves in the characters and just sort of have an extension of our talkbacks where we dive really deep into the themes of the show and analyze those for people kind of unpack the lessons that we're learning. And beyond that, then I'm going to start writing the next musical. So that's going to happen over the next year.
1: Max is rubbing his hands together. He cannot wait to get his hands on that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're excited.
1: All right. How do people find out about Empathy Theater Project? How can they participate? Where can they find tickets for your upcoming productions? Give us all that information.
2: Great. Yeah. So if you would like to learn more, our website is a great place to explore. It's empathytheaterproject.org. That's theater with an R E, not an E R. <laughs> and you can also follow us on social media, on Instagram, we're project on Facebook, we're at theater that unites is our tag. And you can sign up for our newsletter. That's a really great way to find out about ticket sales and auditions and shows, upcoming shows. And that there's a little pop-up on our website. So you'll be able to sign up there. And that's generally how you'll find out about us. And then our podcast is going to be releasing this summer. So that should be on all the platforms and you can listen to what we're up to.
1: Great. Max, anything you want to add? Yeah. Thank you
0: so much for having us. This was awesome. It's getting to talk about this kind of work is one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Thank you both for joining us and for our listeners. If you aren't lucky enough to live in the Boulder, Colorado area to come support Empathy Theater Project, I'm sure there's lots of local theater in your own community that you can support that's doing this kind of work. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information about Envision Rise, you can find us at envisionrise.com. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember, diversity and inclusion should not be treated as a one-off initiative. And so with your help, we can get this message to more people. Subscribe, rate, and review the show and be a part of making a difference because it starts with you.